Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, guys. Unfortunately, almost half you men out there over 40 need to listen up. And we know this is uncomfortable to talk about, but it's common and not weird, and there's something you can do about it. ED, not being able to perform your best. Now, thanks to science, it can be optional. 4 is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat ED. Prescription solutions backed by science. One ED pill starting with a V just came off patent on December 11th, and that's a game-changer. Being your best means performing your best. And now you can do it with no waiting room, no trip to the pharmacy, just a simple online medical consultation and direct shipment to your door. Try Hims for a month today for just $5. We'll get you started for just 5 bucks while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. So go to 4hims.com slash big. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash big. 4hims.com slash big. I'm glad you're with us. You know, I'm done with professional football. I really, I'm, look, I'm just had it. I mean, you would think they would have learned from last year and the American ratings were down, revenue were down, everything was down. And, uh, you know, the kneeling went on and on and on and on and on. It's just, I don't think the NFL understands the magnitude of the players taking a knee during our anthem and what impact it has had on people's mindset about football. And, you know, when the Jets' new owner, you know, I guess Woody Johnson's, what, nephew, grandson, whoever it happens to be, says, who was it? His, put it up. His what? His, his brother Chris says, oh, no, if my players take a knee, I'm going to pay their fine. All right, okay, you know what? Fine. I'm not going to go watch the Jets play football. Thank you very much. And I'll watch a team that doesn't, that literally, look, there's room, plenty of room for freedom of speech, but not in the NFL. 
You can't do certain dances in the end zone. You can't celebrate in the end. You can't taunt other players in any way. You can't do a lot of things that they would otherwise want you to do. So, all right, so Roger Goodell tries to fix it and says, okay, if you don't want to, if you don't, if you're going to take a knee, you got to stay in the locker room. Everybody's got to stand. Now, you got the Eagles. I've never liked them much anyway. The Eagles win the championship last year. They're invited to the White House, which is a massive honor for anybody. Maybe, like, for example, if I was, I had said this all during the Obama years, if I ever had an interview with Obama, it would have disappointed most of you. Because I would have asked every question that I can. They would have limited my time from the beginning. And then, you know, in 10 minutes, he can filibuster in his sleep. And when you interrupt the sitting president of the United States, it just you're never going to win. You come off, rightly, as rude. And there's a, a way to ask and interview a president out of respect for the office. And similarly, you know, if you get an invite to the Oval Office, and I, everybody's entitled to their political views. I would have gone if I got one in the Obama years. I didn't get a single one. And MSNBC conspiracy hosts were hanging out at the White House. And CNN people hanging out at the White House. They were having a grand old time. And they thought they'd be doing the same thing for the next eight years if Hillary Clinton became the president. Didn't work out the way they planned. And so what? All but 10 players, only 10 players on the Eagles were willing to go to the White House. Now, I got to give the president credit. The president said, fine, don't come. You're uninvited. And right now, the president has replaced what was going to be a, you know, congratulations, job well done to the Philadelphia Eagles. He's now doing with our military and a celebration of America. And here's a little bit of what's actually going on right now. Thank you very much, everybody. Appreciate it. I want to thank the United States Marine Band and the United States Army Chorus for that incredible performance. Their voices, oh, I'd love to have a voice like that. What a voice. We love our country, we respect our flag, and we always proudly stand for the national anthem. We always will stand for the national anthem. It is my great pleasure to welcome everyone to the White House for this patriotic celebration. Beautiful, beautiful day and a beautiful celebration. I also want to thank our great Vice President, Mike Pence. Thank you, Mike, for joining us, along with Secretary Steven Mnuchin, Secretary Ryan Zinke, Representative Lou Barletta, who hopefully Lou Barletta will be your next senator from the great state of Pennsylvania. It is a great state. Representative Mike Kelly, thank you, Mike. Great to see you. I want to take this opportunity to explain why young Americans stand for our national anthem. Maybe it's about time that we understood. We stand to honor our military and to honor our country and to remember the fallen heroes who never made it back home. We stand to show our love for our fellow citizens and our magnificent Constitution. We stand to pay tribute to the incredible Americans who came before us and the heroic sacrifices they made. America is a great nation, a community, a family, 
And America is our home, and we love our home. And our country has never done better than it's doing right now. Never. Record numbers at every outpost. You take a look at what's going on. Lowest unemployment numbers we've had. Lowest African-American unemployment in the history of our country. Lowest Hispanic numbers in the history of our country. Lowest numbers for women in 21 years. We've created $7 trillion of value in our country since the election. We're the largest economy in the world and getting a lot larger and fast. It's happened very quickly. Actually, quicker than I even thought. We're doing great. And all of those people that we honor, many of them are looking down right now. Some of them are right here. But many of them are looking down right now at our country, and they are proud. They are very, very proud. So we stand together for freedom. We stand together for patriotism. And we proudly stand for our glorious nation under God. I want to thank you all for being here. This is a beautiful, big celebration. Actually, to be honest, it's even bigger than we had anticipated. So I want to thank you very much, and God bless America. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Obviously, the president making some great points. You know, I will tell you, as we, we're beginning our coverage today, actually, of getting into what the 2018 midterm elections are, are going to be all about. And I'm going to tell you, it's very simple. And this is probably likely going to be the most important midterm election in your lifetime because so much is in play here and what is at stake matters. What you have is the Democrats want this to be a do-over of the 2016 election. And by that, I mean, although they're having private meetings and they're pulling every Democrat aside and they are begging them, please stop. Please, Maxine Waters, stop saying impeach 45. We know you mean it, and we're with you. But we're not going to tell the American people that that's what our real goal happens to be. That's what we're we're just not going to state it. Now, if you just stop for a minute, think of where we are economically and where we were economically. Think of where we are in foreign policy, where we were. This is day 501 of the Trump administration. And as the president point out, yeah, we've, we've got record low unemployment not seen in 50 years in this country. We've got record low unemployment in 14 states in this country. Record low unemployment for women, African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans in this country. We've got literally millions of people that are no longer receiving food stamps. Similarly, millions more out of poverty. Just compare that to what it was 501 days ago and that is what 13 million more americans and after eight years of obama on food stamps eight million more in poverty the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s the worst recovery since the 40s literally we had the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years And he doubled our national debt in the process, meaning we got nothing for the money that they spent. Nothing, no improvement. 
People's lives weren't better. Then you got this, you know, $150 billion. Oh, we'll give it to the Iranian mullahs. That's a brilliant, genius idea. The Iranians today announcing, yeah, we're going to continue to spin our centrifuges just as Obama allowed us, and we're going to literally create more potential nuclear weapons. That's where we are. What did he do with North Korea? Nothing. What did he do to make the world a safer place? Nothing. The president's, this president's decimated ISIS. You know, look at what he's done with regulations in the economy. Look at, what, look at the tax cuts that you have been given. Look at the money, the extra money you're saving every year. You can calculate it. We'll give you the website later in the program today. You know, tax cuts, you know, now. Dot com. Go to the calculate your savings. You can do it. They have a calculator. You know, look at what's happened. America is now on the verge of potentially really moving towards energy independence, which is going to not only be good for national security, but create high paying career jobs for millions of Americans. You know, the president is openly advocating for all these companies to spend their dollars in the U.S., build their factories here. To, oh, taxcutsworks.com. To build their manufacturing centers here. Wall Street Journal has a piece today. I don't think a single fake news outlet, you know, has said that the president, and I've always said this, I don't think he wants a trade war with anybody. Anyway, the Wall Street Journal, surprise, surprise, China is now offered to massively expand their purchases of American-made goods if U.S. negotiators agree to abandon this tariff plan. They've also agreed and made concessions on intellectual property rights. They've also agreed to lower tariffs on American cars so they can be sold in China. And China offered to purchase nearly $70 billion of U.S. farm manufacturing energy products if the Trump administration abandons their threatened tariffs. In other words, everything the president wants, freer, fairer trade. Just by taking a stand and negotiating, it's amazing what the benefits that we'll get because nobody's ever done it before. You know, so you have these weekend talks in Beijing, negotiators with the Chinese president, and uh, they presented the U.S. team and the Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross a package that includes Chinese companies buying more U.S. soybeans, corn, natural gas, crude oil, coal, and manufactured goods. And Chinese and U.S. officials estimated the value of the package at nearly $70 billion in the first year. Now, the president has pressed China to commit to reduce $375 billion in U.S. merchandise and trade deficits with China by $200 billion. Chinese officials are arguing that would go a long way of meeting that target. Oh, that's a good thing. You know, look at the Rasmussen poll. Most Americans now see the economies changing because of the president's policies. Rasmussen. Majority now believe Obama and Comey spied on the Trump campaign. I'll get into this more. Something very nefarious, I suspect, and and my sources are telling me, is going on as it relates to the IG report. We're going to get into that as we unfold the program today, as the program unfolds. And we have a lot to get to. We'll look at our pollsters. 2018 is about this. Stopping Democrats from impeachment. uh, Stopping Democrats in open borders. Democrats want to keep Obamacare. And they want more money back in the tax cuts that you received. They want you to pay more. That's it. So if you don't get out in 2018 and vote, you will get the America that they want, that you voted against in 2016. Now, it's becoming a historic election. With only a kite. 
a house key, and wet hemp string, Benjamin Franklin captured lightning in a bottle. Over 260 years later, with a little resourcefulness, ingenuity, and grit, we're not only capturing energy from the sun and wind, we're storing it, ensuring Americans have the energy they need whenever they need it. Learn more about the nation's leader in energy storage at nexteraenergy.com. When you think about it, let's say for a minute that I'm right here, that, all right, this is what the midterms are about. It's about the left. They'll not say it. They're not going to tell you. They'll wink. They'll nod. But they're really telling and communicating, we're going to impeach Trump. We're going to find a reason. We're going to undo this election. Just give us, please, please give us power. Please. What do they stand for? All right, taking back the biggest tax cut in American history. Let me translate that for you. They're running on a platform that wants to take more of your hard-earned money. They want to pick your pocket even further so they can spend it on their priorities. They're also pro-open borders. They don't want the fence, the wall built, and they're doing everything they possibly can do to stop it. But by the way, the entry point for how many drugs that come into this country How many crimes have been committed because we have open borders? Not everybody. We always talk about it. But there are some people that cross these borders that don't have the love of America that that we want from people that are coming. I don't mind having a door on the wall. Let's let's have everybody come to America that wants to be part of our family. But we got to vet you. We've got to make sure you don't want to bring us any harm. And we got to make sure that we're going to contribute to the country. It's not hard. We don't care where you come from. And they want to repeat. They don't want Obamacare repealed. There are two things Republicans need to do. Added things, because Trump has pretty much single handedly been carrying a very weak Republican Party on his back. And it's simple. Fund the wall, repeal and replace Obamacare. If You don't do those two things. I don't see how they lose. What do the Democrats offer except a rewind into eight horrible years of Obama, you know, it was so important during the 2016 election year that every single day I reminded you of the Obama agenda. Well, that's what they want to go back to. Here we've had unprecedented economic growth, enormous success on foreign policy, a president that gives promises and keeps his word. How refreshing that also is. And a country that's better off the forgotten men and women are getting out of poverty and off of food stamps and back in the labor force. And America's getting stronger again. And America's creating opportunity again. And America's safer again. And hopefully the world's, you know, we're beginning a process as of next week. Maybe we'll even make the world safer. Nobody predicted, predicted or anticipated that. All right, we're going to deal with the IG report next. Welcome aboard. Glad you are with us. A toll-free telephone number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to join us? You know, it's um, it's pretty sad that I believe we're now going on two weeks that the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, has finished his report. Now going on two weeks. You see, but the Inspector General... I guess out of the courtesy has given the Department of Justice, which means, you know, the very people that have been obstructing, ignoring subpoenas, the very people that won't hand over requested documents, the very people that have redacted in the name of national security, only to be proven later that it had nothing to do with national security. 
those very same people have now had in their hands Michael Horowitz's Inspector General report on the Hillary Clinton email investigation, the server investigation, where we know the Espionage Act was violated, 18 U.S.C. 793. You know, there's nobody with a straight face that can argue what Hillary did to subpoenaed emails by deleting them and acid washing the hard drive with bleach pit. How many of you knew about bleach pit beforehand? Nobody. 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 I'd never heard of it. Did you ever hear of it? Nobody here heard of it. Everybody now knows about it because I'm, I'm, I will make them eat bleach bit in sense of their words. That now, you know, if, if everyone is allowed to acid wash their hard drives when subpoenaed, I guess that what's good for the Clintons is good for everybody else. Equal justice under the law. You know, equal application of the laws. It's good for the Clintons, ought to be good for everybody else. And if she can violate the Espionage Act, I guess everybody else can too. Did you wipe the server? What, like with a cloth or something? A cloth? You mean like clean it? What do you mean, Ed? As if she didn't know what he was talking about. So here's what's happening. And I've been talking to a number of my sources. I know Sarah Carter's been working on this today also. Is you've got the Inspector General report that is now in the hands of the obstructing DOJ that has ignored congressional subpoena that have ignored subpoenas that has ignored the fact that we have co-equal branches of government that has ignored the fact that we have separation of powers that has ignored the fact that they have constitutional authority and an obligation constitutionally at oversight. And what's happened is, is the IG report that has taken 18 long months. Well, we're going to get it in March. no, We're going to get it in April. No. We're going to get it in May. No. Well, now it's done. 500 people, 18 months, have put this sucker together. Apparently been working overtime. And now the inspector general has handed it over to Rod Rosenstein and company and Jeff Sessions, who sadly is just paralyzed, and I don't know what Jeff Sessions is doing. Because if Jeff, if Sean Hannity knows all these crimes that were committed, FISA abuse, crimes Hillary committed, you know, the fact that they, they put the fix in. I mean, all of this. Now we have the last week struck page emails that were revealed that show that struck as telling page that, oh, the, well, this is all being run from the White House. <laughs> the whole Russia thing. That means the Obama White House. And here's the problem. They actually, in the Inspector General report, you may not know, they they have an option now to write their own defense. They have an option now to go back and plead with the Inspector General. No, 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 this needs to be redacted. No, 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 no. You need to change this. No, 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 no. You need to fix this. No, 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 no. That's not true. You're wrong. And so here's what is happening. It was supposed to be released in March, April, May, and now it's June. And now the rumor's been running all week. Well, they're probably going to release it on Friday. Well, to be honest, it's called a Summer Friday. And it's called a Summer Friday document dump. And why does that mean something? Why is that different, Mr. Hannity? It's different because on Fridays in the summertime, people want to go watch the sunset at the beach. They're not home on their regular schedule. 
Or maybe if with the tax cuts, they have a little extra money in their pocket on Fridays in the summer, they want to take their family, you know, maybe they'll go to a local place and, and get a, a, you know, a bucket of clams and corn on the cob and maybe even a lobster tail or two or whatever they like to eat. And then that's what they're going to do. They're going to go out to dinner or maybe they'll go see a movie or maybe they'll walk on the beach or maybe I don't know what people maybe they'll watch go to a baseball game. I don't know what people do. What the hell do I know? I never go anywhere. I'm a total loser. But you get my point. Summer Fridays are slow. And if you want to bury bad information, you dump it on a Friday. And now my sources have been telling me that they want to dump it on not only a Friday in the summer, but on the Friday leading up to the Tuesday summit with President Trump and little rocket man Kim Jong-un in Singapore. Singapore flight is 21 and a half straight hours. And then that's that is a built in news cycle. What does that mean? That means everybody's going to cover the summit. So if you dump the IG report on a Thursday, Friday in the summer leading into a summit of the president, that is called a document or in this case, an 18 month investigation dump. And what they're hoping is, is it won't get the attention it otherwise would get. It won't get the scrutiny that it otherwise would get. And that's what's going on. Now, the president tweeted, and I've been on this all week. What's taken so long with the inspector general report on crooked, crooked Hillary, slippery James Comey, numerous delays. I hope the report is not being changed and made weaker. That is exactly what's going on, in my opinion. There are so many horrible things to tell. The public has a right to know. Transparency. Now, the IG report started in January of 2017. It's now June of 2018. Now, he doesn't have the power of the inspector general. Now, he did get the deputy attorney general, I'm sorry, the deputy FBI director McCabe report. Okay, how long ago was that? Where's the report on Comey? Where's the report on Hillary's crimes? Where's the report on the cover-up? Where's the report on the rigged investigation? Where's the report on Loretta Lynch and the tarmac meeting with Bill Clinton? Where's the report about Comey and Strzok and what they were involved in in this and writing an exoneration in early May of 2016 before they ever interviewed Hillary or 17 other key witnesses. They interviewed Hillary in the summer of 2016 over the 4th of July weekend. And right after that weekend, there's James Comey exonerating her. I never heard of an exoneration before an investigation of any of you. Any of you think you're going to get away with acid driving, uh, acid uh, washing your, your hard drive after emails are subpoenaed? Any of you think you'll get away with deleting subpoenaed emails? Any Sean, of you- I don't even use bleach in my clothes anymore. I don't even bring it in my home. I don't bring it anywhere near my house. It's a, it's a dangerous okay, substance. Okay, that's a different type of okay? bleach. That's a different thing. I'm serious. Okay, you trying to You're interrupt You're very my flow? intense today. And by the way, if I'm I was very on the angry beach, today. I would get ice cream. I don't know about you all, but I mean, I don't know how you didn't eat clams. Who the hell's eating clams on the beach? On, in the summertime, it's a great... You know, I like to go to like these hole-in-the-wall places that have the... Clams? Oh, yeah, I love baked clams. But I only like the little baby ones. I don't like the big Raw, ones. Raw, too, or no? 
Oh, I don't eat. No, that ain't happening. The man who doesn't eat sushi is going to eat raw yeah. clams. Okay, really? Yeah. Okay. No, no, I, I, can, oyster guy. I can force a California roll down my throat if I put enough of that salty stuff on it, uh, the soy sauce. Yeah, we'll leave you with the packets of soy sauce and we'll take yeah. the sushi. I got to drain it in that and then this way, okay, I can suck down the, what is it, made up fake crab? Is that what they call it? They I put, mean, yeah, it's imitation crab meat. It's gross. Okay, and I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat avocados either. It's not exactly my number well, one staple. Well, why would you? It's a good fat that flattens your belly. It's monosaturated fat. So you're saying I have a fat belly? I would never say why that. Why did you call me fat on national TV? And but you still owe me an apology for saying I was lying to you Cold last week. Cold day in hell, my friend. And I still keep you here. It's unbelievable. Sarah Carter is actually highlighting this point, too, is that... You know, the IG report is expected to reveal that James Comey's handling of the Bureau's investigation and the Clinton's use of a private email server. Uh, we know Andrew McCabe is also expected to come under fire in this report. Now, it's over 400 pages. It was completed weeks ago. It addresses Clinton's use of a private server for government business, which is illegal. And James Comey's original draft included the fact that six foreign intelligence services hacked into that mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet. That means they've got all the Clinton emails, even the ones she acid-washed and deleted. And we're hearing that it's long and it's thorough and it's going to criticize the handling of the investigation uh, of Mr. Comey and others, but this has gone on long enough. You know, 18 months is enough. Now we're going to get 18 months and a document dump on a summer Friday by the IG because people in the Department of Justice have had this for two weeks and they're on their hands and knees begging and pleading Michael Horowitz to change the report that he and 500 other people put together over an 18-month period. And probably, my guess is because I don't have any faith in the deep state, is probably happening to one degree or another. I mean, are we ever going to clean up this... This absolute sewer, which is your federal government. I have the new date. What? July 5th. For what? For the release. They'll do it on July 5th. Okay, the day after the 4th of July. 4th of July is on a Wednesday. Just like somebody else. You didn't. Yeah, just like James Comey on the anniversary. Two years on the the two year anniversary. It has been 18 months, Ron DeSantis is saying. This has gone on long enough. We've been patient long enough. Sarah cites another congressional official who's been fighting to obtain documents from the DOJ and FBI, saying no surprise they are putting all the pressure on Horowitz. They continue to slow roll documents, fail to adhere to congressional oversight, and concern is growing that they will wait until summer and then turn over the documents that are heavily redacted. Now, what's going to come behind the IG report is there are at least 30 now FBI agents that watched the Comey corruption, McCabe corruption unfold. And I've always said, you know, this isn't about rank and file FBI. They are going to be the heroes of this story in the end if they ever get to tell it. The 30 people are lined up to talk about the practices and procedures that were used by Comey and how faulty they were and how literally the fix was in. The investigation was rigged. And they'll want to tell the truth, but they can't tell the truth unless they are subpoenaed. And if you're not, if you don't understand, if we now are rigging investigations, this is why I kept saying, you know, Jeff Sessions, well, we'll have another inspector general investigation into the 
FISA abuses. Oh, great. 18 months later, no grand jury. People's memories are short. And, you know, we're going to be told by the fake news media that's old news. That's what they're going to do. But I'm telling you that if Hillary Clinton gets away with her crimes and top officials, not rank and file FBI guys and DOJ guys, top officials, if they're able to rig an investigation that allows her to violate, commit felonies with the Espionage Act, have foreign intel services steal all of her classified top secret special access programming information. Oh, and by the way, she lied to everybody. Michael Flynn's charged with flying. Another double standard. And if she's allowed to do it, we don't have a system of justice. We don't have equal justice. We don't have equal application under the law in this country anymore. We don't have a constitution which is the foundation of all of our laws in this country. It's done. And yet that's what they want to do. I know they're going to, they'll, 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 I guess, critique Comey's handling, but are they going to say he committed a crime? That he aided and abetted in a cover-up and a rigging of an investigation? Let's see how it goes. But I'm telling you right now, watch. Because what's happening behind the scenes, I am telling you, stinks to high heaven. And all these same people, like Rod Rosenstein, begging Paul Ryan, please, 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 Paul Ryan, don't release what became the FISA abuse information and the bulk of the Nunes memo and the Grassley-Graham memo. This is not shocking news, but it's good news, maybe for all the wrong reasons, but it doesn't matter. If the Republicans, in fact, fund the entire border wall and they go back to repealing and replacing Obamacare, it'll be a slam dunk for 2018, in my opinion. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announced today he's canceling the Senate's planned four-week recess in August. Due to historic obstruction by Senate Democrats of the president's nominees, the goal of passing appropriations bills at the end of the fiscal year, the August recess has been canceled. Hmm. Maybe they can fund the border wall while they're there. Not taking a vacation. Who takes the month of August off anyway? I take like a day, two, maybe. Uh, the president has been receiving daily briefings on North Korea from his national security team. And I can also tell you uh, the schedule for uh, tentatively for that first meeting uh, will be uh, on June 12th at 9 a.m. Singapore time and take place at June 11th, 9 p.m. East Coast time. You people are going to have to travel because you'll be in Singapore on June 12th. Uh, and I think it'll be a process. It's not, I, I never said it goes in one meeting. I think it's going to be a process. But the relationships are building, and that's a very positive thing. We're talking about years of hostility, years of problems, years of really hatred between so many different nations. But I think uh, you're going to have a very positive result in the end, not from one meeting. We're not going to sign it. We're not going to go in and sign something on June 12th. We never were. We're going to start a process. And I told them today, take your time. You can go fast, we can go slowly. But uh, I think they'd like to see something happen. And if we can work that out, that'd be good. All right, that was the president and uh, Sarah Sanders. All right, it's all on June the 12th in Singapore. That is the North Korean summit. Where things stand now, you just heard the president. There's not going to be a deal signed likely on that day. The 
The president will go at the speed of whatever Kim Jong-un, little rocket man, wants to go at. So far, we've had many, many concessions. And you look at the nuclear missile test site that has now been dismantled. You look at Kim Jong-un. He stopped firing missiles over Japan. He stopped threatening Guam. He's not threatening the entire region at the moment. He's willing to talk about denuclearization. We got three American hostages back. And I'd say all in all, not having paid a dime, it's a pretty good deal. And the purge that kind of went unnoticed of three well, of a, three old school hardliners just out. That usually means they disappear, never to be seen or heard from again. Uh, so we're watching very closely, and I think the president managing everybody's expectations because it's realistic to say, all right, we're getting to know each other. We'll meet with you, and uh, yeah, this is going to be about denuclearization or we're not going to have a deal. And in the interim, that means that the sanctions continue, and obviously, if need be, the president will continue to show military force in the region. Danielle Hoffman is with us. He is a Fox News contributor, former CIA operative, and uh, Shaq Hill joins us, former U.S. Air Force combat pilot, Republican candidate for Virginia's 10th congressional district. That primary, by the way, is on the day of the summit on June 12th. Fox News contributor, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, and uh, thank you all for being with us. Shaq Hill, I want to ask you a question. If uh, you got elected, would you join the Freedom Caucus? Good afternoon, Sean. I, I absolutely would join the Freedom Caucus without question. That is the group that is really working to help push America's first agenda, and it would be my pleasure to be reinforcements for them. Uh, interesting. All right, let's start with Danielle Hoffman. Danielle, you, uh, both you and Dr. Gorka have been really adamant about, number one, pointing out the success. America's lost nothing to this point. We have lost absolutely nothing. And the great news is we only have a safer world to gain here. And the fact that all of these concessions have been made in the lead up to this should, should give people hope, but you don't want to get the cart in front of the horse, do you? Right. That's absolutely true. And I think the president has done an excellent job of managing uh, the expectations for our citizenry. And, and, you know, he's had to deal with a lot of failed policy in the past. Remember the 2000 summit between North Korea and South Korea, the South Koreans had to buy business licenses at the two, to the tune of $500 million. They paid North Korea for the privilege of having that summit. North Korea had it in them, this sort of muscle memory, to expect a lot just for showing up. And again, they practiced this diplomatic brinkmanship, and the president called their bluff, rightly so, and, and was ready to walk away from the summit. I think that really set the tone for going forward and uh, putting us in a position where we can achieve whatever is possible to achieve on, on the 12th of June and going forward. But I do believe this is going to be a long process. And, and just to comment real quickly, Sean, on the, on the three guys who were removed, this is when the CIA steps up and produces leadership profiles on the three individuals who replaced the old three hardliners. I think there's no question it reflects Kim Jong-un's effort to consolidate his power you know, authoritarian regimes are inherently unstable. They silence people's fears. I think it reflects, frankly, Kim Jong-un's concern about potential instability in his own hermit kingdom. Oh, I think that's really well said. And by the way, that would not be unprecedented. I mean, any leader that tries to take a step towards reform uh, is certainly at risk. I mean, one good example, I think, Sebastian Gorka, Dr. Gorka would be, you know, General al-Sisi in uh, Egypt. I mean, I think he put himself a, a, in great peril uh, when he took over from Morsi uh, and literally 
it's played such a pivotal role in, in a new emerging alliance between Israel, the Egyptians, Jordanians, the Saudis, the Emirates, and others. You're absolutely right, Sean. I met General Sisi before he became president when he was the uh, commander-in-chief of the Egyptian forces. And he saved Egypt from the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, He said, when I asked him, why did you do what you do? He said, "Uh, I may be a Muslim, but I'm an Egyptian first. And these people were trying to take our country away from us. And since that day, he's had a target on our back. And he's exactly the kind of leader that we need to support. And that's why that was one of the first meetings the president took. So, you know, everything has changed geopolitically in just the space of 500 days. The world has been changed because American leadership is back, whether it's draining the swamp in D.C. with candidates like Shaq Hill, whether it's uh, revitalizing NATO, whether it's telling telling China you're not going to intimidate our friends or potentially uh, ending the Korean War. This, could you imagine this? This would be a kind of record you'd be proud of after eight years in office, and it's only been a year and a half. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I mean, I think all it's certainly lining up to be an opportunity that nobody saw existed before. And I would argue, Shaq Hill, the, also that an emerging opportunity is in the Middle East. I mean, there is now a moment in time as I said, where the Egyptians, the Jordanians and the Israelis and the United States and the Saudis and the Emirates now are all aligned and sharing intelligence and standing up against the potential of Iranian hegemony in the region and a nuclear armed Iran. Well, you're exactly correct, Sean. I mean, when the president pulled us out of the Iranian agreement, he made America instantly safer and he, in, in, in doing so, he also made our soldiers and sailors across the world safer, and each one of us that wants to live the American dream safer. I mean, the bottom line is the people are frustrated with politics and the establishment and career politicians, and we don't want to go back to any type of appeasement. And the only thing that the world often wants to see is do we have strength and do we have fortitude to move forward with what we believe is correct? And the president is showing that leadership. He's actually doing things differently than what has been done in the past. And I'm thrilled. My two youngest sons are in the United States Army. One of my children just rotated back from South Korea. He's now in the United States. But another one of my sons is going to be going to Germany. So we need to have the strong leadership, and not only in the Middle East, but also in the Far East and other places. And I champion what President Trump is doing. Yeah. And what do you feel about North Korea? Do you think this is a moment in time? I mean... I'll be honest, I mean, there's a, you know, deep in my solar plexus, I'm thinking, all right, you know, Kim Jong-un is a little unpredictable. Who knows? Maybe he shows up that day and says, no meeting, you know, and I frankly think Donald Trump will say, okay, see you later. He's going to fire up Air Force One and fly home. He doesn't care. Well, he certainly would do that. But don't forget this, Sean, and, and I know you don't, but what President Trump wants is he wants people to enjoy their individual liberties. He wants the people to enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy here, whether it's in Korea, whether it's in the Middle East. And the people right now of North Korea, they're starving, they're hungry to just live and be free. And I think when you have the leadership that President Trump is bringing to the table and surrounded by those like Secretary Pompeo and others, I think we've got an A team now leading us, and it's going to be very exciting what happens in the future. Yeah. If you, Daniel Hoffman, I know that um, you have traveled the globe a lot. What can you tell us about Singapore and the reception the president's likely to get there? 
You know, I got to be honest with you. I spent my time uh, at the CIA in places uh, like Pakistan and Baghdad and Yemen and Libya and Moscow, and I actually have never made it to Singapore. Uh, but what I can tell you is it's a, it's a, you know, it's a first world country with outstanding services. I think it's a, it was the right choice. You know, um, the time maybe to meet in the demilitarized zone is down the road in the future. Um, but this was this was the right kind of neutral territory for us to hold this meeting. And and what I would what I would want to highlight as well, you know, North Korea is like the most isolated country on the planet, and their economy is an absolute free fall. Their life expectancy is decreasing. It's under seventy years. Um, that I think Kim Jong Un recognizes that he's a young guy. He he's he's you know in his early thirties. His country is simply not going to survive his lifetime unless he takes some measures. And if we, well, hold you, you, I, I know you believe that, and I've thought. Often that's the case, too. But I look at countries like Iran and North Korea, Daniel, and I'm thinking you don't win revolutions with slingshots. You just don't. I mean, unless there is an ability to arm opposition, freedom fighters, you just can't win because they'll mow you down and they will slaughter as many innocent people as they have to. Yeah, I I think one of the concerns from Kim Jong-un, frankly, was that there might be the Boris Yeltsin to his, you know, Mikhail Gorbachev, if I use a Soviet reference. In other words, somebody from his inner circle who could say, you know, we're not real happy with the way things are going. We maybe we want to take it for a harder line, or maybe somebody wants to go in a softer line. I mean, I think that's why he consolidated power with three guys who are absolutely beholden to him. Uh, but I agree with you. I think this is an extraordinarily difficult challenge for us. And at the end of the day, the eye, you know, the eye on the prize for us is eliminating nuclear weapons in the Korean Peninsula. And if there was ever a chance for the art of the deal, it's right here before our eyes. And it, it's the, you know, penultimate art, art of the deal, I think. And, and nobody better than, than this administration to take their shot at it. Yeah. Dr. Corker, what would you add to that? I, I just think that uh, we, we have to be cautious. I think the president always has the right signal. He, he wrote it in the, the book, The Art of the Deal. Never be so vested in a deal that you're not prepared to walk away at any time. He signaled that before. He did it with his letter. That's why Pyongyang, you know, beat feet back to the West Wing to deliver their response and say, pretty please, can we have our summit again? So, you know, this is a dictatorial regime. Let's not forget it. Uh, Daniel's absolutely right. But the irony of these regimes is that they are incredibly fragile at the same time that they are powerful. Look at what happened to Ceausescu in 1989. He had everything. He had the tanks, he had the helicopters. He came out for his Christmas Day address, and the people just started booing at him. And then he ran for his life. And then there was a court-martial, and he was executed by the Romanian army. So anything is possible. Let's not get carried away. But at the end of the day, this is the hermit kingdom. They lie for a way of life, um, but they know that this is a very, very different kind of president, and they are desperate to keep uh, their own positions. So we, we'll see what happens. we got to take a break. We'll come back, and we'll continue with our friends Danielle Hoffman, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, and uh, Shaq Hill, by the way, U.S. Uh, Air Force combat pilot and Republican candidate if you're in Virginia's 10th Congressional District. And as we continue with Daniel Hoffman, Fox News contributor, former CIA uh, operations officer, Shaq Hill, a former U.S. Air Force combat pilot and Republican candidate for Virginia's 10th Congressional District, uh, primary June 12th, by the way, when we are in 
when the Singapore summit is actually happening. And Dr. Sebastian Gorka is with us. Uh, all right. Let me let me ask you, Shaq Hill. I mean, I look at these Republicans and I look at your background and I'm always impressed with the military. I mean, I love military guys. I don't like the position that I'm in, but I have to because there's been such corruption and abuse of power you know, within the intelligence community, the DOJ, the FBI, but it's only the upper echelon. It's not rank and file people, thank God. And I and one of the reasons we'll get to the truth is because of rank and file. But I look at, you know, like the Republican Party, they, there's so many people run for office, make these great promises. And then when the moment comes and they can make change, they don't do it. Why? You know, I think what ends up happening is people start thinking more about individual power and the opportunity to be somebody. But you have to look at somebody's life to see who they have been their entire life. And when I raised my hand and I promised to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, I did that for you and my children and for Dr. Gorka and others. I mean, I didn't do it for myself. And what no. you have to see... You have to see that somebody has a service-oriented heart. My wife is a very healthy cancer survivor, Sean. But 25 years ago, she was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer while she was pregnant with our second child. And the doctor said, you have to terminate the pregnancy. Well, we're pro-life, and all of a sudden, this has landed in our lap. Well, how do you handle that? And the answer is you stick to your principles. You do not move from what you believe. And Robin looked over at me, and she said, Shaq, will you raise the children? And I said, yes. Well, 25 years later, our son is in the United States Army. He represents the fourth generation of our family to wear our nation's uniform. Robin and I became foster parents. Wow, good for you. We fostered 46 children, and we adopted four of them. So when somebody says to me, what are you going to do when Paul Ryan or or when McCarthy or others say, you know, Shaq, we're going to put this pressure on you, hey, the answer is I've had pressure and I've been tested and I passed the test and I am there not mm-hmm. to make friends with other congressmen. I'm there to represent the people of the 10th Congressional District. And that's what I'm going to do. All right. We wish you the best. That's happening the day of the summer, June 12th. Uh, Shaq Hill, thank you. Danielle Hoffman and Dr. Gorka. I know I'll be seeing a lot of both of you uh, in the coming days and weeks. Uh, you guys have been all over this and been amazing. Thank you for being with us. When we come back, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, he's going to weigh in on the election. we got our pollsters. We're going to begin our look at 2018 and what this election midterm is really now coming down to and much more as we continue the Sean Hannity Show. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. We uh, welcome back to the program today Newt Gingrich. Uh, he is going to be in bookends tonight in New Jersey. He's giving a speech and doing a book signing, and it's one of the great, great bookstores that when I was writing books, which I'll never do again, uh, that uh, I had the opportunity to go and meet so many wonderful people there. It's such a great place. And uh, anyway, the book is called Trump's America and uh, the great success, the untold story of the president's, uh, you know, 500 days in office now, 501 as of today. Uh, Well, congratulations. I know the book's doing really well on Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble, and uh, it's up on our website, Hannity.com, and now it is officially in bookstores everywhere. Uh, You're on a big uh, tour, I guess, now, and uh, I wanted to ask you about comments you made about the 2018 election, and we were just talking to two pollsters about it. And I honestly think that this election is going to be about Democrats want to impeach Donald Trump. They don't want to build the wall. They want to keep Obamacare and they want to take back the tax cuts that President Trump gave every American. I don't think that's exactly 
a platform that is is lending itself to maximize success? No, look, I, I think first of all, thank you for all the help you've been uh, with my new book, Trump's America, and, and our effort to explain how much he is accomplishing and how much most Americans are accomplishing. But the Democrats have gone crazy. I, I, I mentioned to you uh, yesterday this Minnesota State Convention where the left wing of the Democratic Party just took over the whole party, uh, ran over all of the traditional establishment people, uh, have nominated folks so far to the left that they have no possibility of winning, virtually guarantee that uh, Governor Tim Pawlenty is going to win the governorship again. We may well, in the process, pick up three House seats. I mean, Minnesota is a good example of what's going on. John Cox out in uh, California today, I think is going to get into the runoff against the lieutenant governor. And John Cox is going to make a huge difference as the Republican nominee because the California Democrats have raised the gasoline tax. It's almost $5 a gallon in parts of California now. And they have uh, and and, uh, Gavin Newsom, the Democrat, is campaigning on a promise to raise your income tax, raise property taxes uh, and, and dramatically increase the cost of government in a state which already has the highest cost of living in the country. So I think uh, John Cox, by the way, if he does make it, as I think he will, that probably increases Republican turnout this fall in California by maybe as much as 23 percent. That virtually guarantees the Democrats can't pick up seats in California. And we may actually pick, pick up uh, two or three House seats out there. So everywhere I look, uh, I think what you're going to get is a red wave, not a blue wave. And I think things are continuing to build. There's an article today, one last thing. <laughs> but for the first time, I can remember there are more job vacancies than there are people looking for work. Uh, that is astonishing. Can I just say, I mean, this 500 days has been maybe the most fascinating 500 days of any presidency. And, and of course, the cloud that the Democrats and the media, they're now in a position. This, to me, is the most damning position for them to be in. And that is that with the economy now turned around, record low unemployment in 14 states, record low unemployment for women, uh, Hispanic Americans, African Americans. Uh, you see, regulation is literally has now been totally eliminated and we're now incentivizing businesses to come back and people have more money back in their pocket. Now, the only way that I see the Democrats can win is if they somehow convince the American people that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians and he did not, or that somehow uh, he's bad for the country. And now the polls out today show 70 percent of Americans think the economy is good because of him. Yeah, look, I think that their problem gets bigger and bigger. And uh, I would say that the, as somebody who's been active in the Republican Party uh, for a very, very long time, I worry as much about the Republicans as about the Democrats, because Republicans are historically just bad politicians uh, and, and they, they don't get it. If Republicans have the guts to go out and appeal to every American of every background, I mean, when, when you're in a situation where you have the lowest black unemployment in American history, Every Republican candidate should be in the black community saying, look, uh, isn't this better to have people with jobs rather than on food stamps? Isn't it better to have a chance to to rise because you get that first job, then you get promoted, then you get another job, then one day you open up your own small business? Um, You know, that's what America is all about. And we have a chance. Trump is giving us a chance to have a head-on argument between socialism, you know, the, 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 the people on the left, 
uh, who can't explain Venezuela, can't explain the Soviet Union, can't explain Cuba, but have these fantasy ideas that if only we had big enough government. And this is what uh, Gavin Newsom is going to be a great experiment on. He's he's running on a government takeover of health care in California, which would bankrupt the state. Uh, but we ought to be doing this across the whole country. So if you would do, say to Donald Trump, one of the states you really ought to be campaigning in is California this midterm absolutely. election season. Absolutely. I, I, I believe, and I know people will say I'm crazy, but you and I have been down this road together over the years as, as good friends. I believe that the Democrats reached tilt they, they, in, in California. They passed a state sanctuary law, which keeps, which, which in effect would allow MS-13, to continue to, to rape and kill and murder and torture people in California. They passed a gasoline tax increase that was massive when they already have the most expensive gasoline in the country. They have a candidate for governor who spent the last eight years in Sacramento, and he wants to uh, raise their – says openly he's campaigning on a promise of raising their taxes. Uh, and I think John Cox, with enough resources and enough help, has a chance uh, to, to – do to California what Trump has done to the country and to do it exactly the same way, to go out to all of California, get every single person who's fed up with it. Sixty five percent of Californians in a poll last week said California was now too expensive. Uh, and if, you know, Cox can become the guy who wants to lower the cost of living in California, while Newsom's the guy who wants to raise your taxes, I think you could see a Republican governorship. Uh, and with it, uh, we virtually guarantee enough House members get elected that Kevin McCarthy probably becomes. You know, the next for speaker. those that might doubt that this could happen in California, I would just only point out states like New Jersey and Christy Todd Whitman, and then later Chris Christie and New York Governor Pataki, and and there are examples after example where really deeply blue states have had it. They just get fed up. Uh, and I think the very issues you're describing here could create a condition in California where, you know, look, look Arnold Schwarzenegger won and, and Pete Wilson had won. I mean, it's going back a ways. But right. um, and I think well, that, and look at what's happening on the country. The most popular governor in America today is Charlie Baker, who's a Republican in Massachusetts. Uh, governor Hogan's almost certainly going to get reelected in Maryland. You, you, if, if people believe you're trying to improve their lives and people believe you're honest, I mean, just the act of not being corrupt is such a big advantage over Democrats in some states uh, that, that you really have some breakthrough opportunities. And by the way, you mentioned New Jersey. One of the reasons I think there's going to be a red wave, not a blue wave, uh, is I think we're going to beat Menendez in New Jersey after all of his ethics problems. Uh, you, you can't be losing New Jersey and have any hope of Schumer picking up a majority in the Senate. So we're going to gain seats in the Senate. And I keep saying to people, you're going to have a red wave in the Senate. You're probably going to have a red wave for governor. And I think we have a fair chance that we're going to keep the House and maybe even at the margins do better than people expect. Uh, so show me where the blue wave is going to come. Well, I mean, that's such a good point. Now, with that said, the House to me is very, very key and crucial. And I think the message is simple. I think you take the Trump success story and you take the economic success story. I would add two things between now and November, though. I would fund the border wall. And the second thing that I would do is I'd take another crack at repeal and replacing. And I think Republicans, you know, they've been hesitant to do to follow up on that one big promise, although we did get rid of the individual mandate as part of the tax package. But I think, you know, basically this has been the force of Trump, not the force of Republicans, especially in the Senate. Oh, I think I think that's right. But I, I guess I'm a little more 
cheerful than you are about all this. I do think he has to keep pushing on the wall, and he will. And he's going to, you know, they began opening the first new section in San Diego this last week. You know, and then I and I know, as you do, how really determined he can be. And he's gradually going to win that fight. I think we are, uh, Secretary Azar is doing a great job at Health and Human Services, and we're gradually going to keep taking apart Obamacare and replacing it with a much more uh, market-oriented and choice-oriented system that will be better for people. And I think that these are important steps in the right direction. Uh, but I also think this, this central question is really simple. Would you like to have more jobs or would you like to have an impeachment? Would you like to have a Congress that works to have an even better economy or would you like to have a Congress that does nothing all the time except fight Trump? Do you really agree with, with Nancy Pelosi that we need to raise taxes? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, we have a chance here to win a decisive election in ways that would have been unthinkable six months ago. Well, it was a 17-point deficit. In one poll, even went to a, a six-point-plus advantage in the in terms of the generic ballot polling. Uh, I, I know that you know this better than anybody. There's very few people. You Maybe Mike Barone understands the whole history of every county in every single part of uh, the United States, from Cuyahoga County to Hamilton County and everything in between, and certainly knows all the counties in Florida, North Carolina, and all these swing states. But I, I do remember distinctly sitting in a meeting with you and, and Joe Gaylord years ago before you became speaker. And you guys went through district by district by district. So the fact that you think that California should take on such uh, in, incredible importance needs to be paid attention to. No, I, I think so. And I, and I think they will pay attention to it because, you know, it's, it's look, I wouldn't be saying this if it was just a typical environment. But but uh, when I saw them pass the gas tax increase and I saw the survey that said two out of every three Californians now think the state's too expensive, uh, I could feel, much as I did back in 1978 with Prop 13, uh, you, the moments when you can feel this stuff coming together. And I just think that John Cox has a great chance in California to, to run a, a much more successful race. Mark my word, tomorrow morning the elite media will all be writing him off saying he doesn't have a chance. And just remember, these are the same people who wrote off uh, Donald Trump. Well, I know, and that's what makes this such an amazing election. Uh, Newt Gingrich is with us, and he's on his official book tour. It's in stores as of today. He'll be at uh, Bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey, if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, giving a speech and a book signing tonight. And uh, one of the great bookstores in the entire country and independently owned a great people, Trump's America, and uh, how we are making America great again and how it's successful. And uh, by the way, that's an untold story. The media is avoiding at all costs. All right, as we continue, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich is with us. Why won't the media talk about the 500 days of success? Well, because let's, let's be fair. Most of the elite media is so traumatized by Hillary's defeat and Donald J. Trump's presidency that and, and he further... You know, every morning he gets up and he tweets, and as they wake up that morning, they're reminded, oh, my God, he's still president. Uh, so you're asking people who are tormented by the failure of the perfect liberal to become president, uh, people who were, were confident. These, these, are, these are reporters and commentators who are going to break out the champagne at 8 o'clock on election night, and now here they are faced day after day with the fact that, that Donald J. Trump is president, and it just drives them crazy. Uh, and then they get together at their cocktail parties, and they reinforce each other's craziness. Well, I mean, yeah, and I think so, and I just think, but on top of all of that, then you got this cloud that 
you know, hovers over the president. He's annoyed by it. I'm annoyed by it. You're annoyed by it. There's been no evidence of collusion, but there is great evidence of corruption at the highest levels of the DOJ and the FBI. And, you know, for example, we're expecting an IG report and it's not coming, but we know the DOJ's had a copy now for two weeks and that's problematic. Well, that's right. And and you and I have talked about this before. Well, you have five different parallel scandals underway. uh, And I believe that that the, the sickness of the system when it when it's fully laid out, people are shocked how truly corrupt and how truly fundamentally dishonest the system was, uh, and how many of these players are really bad people. And uh, it's really, really unfortunate. And and uh, I, I shocked. I, I did the View today, which is quite an experience. And I shocked him because one said to me, "Well, are you saying that the Justice Department is corrupt?" And I said, "Yes, I'm saying the Justice Department is corrupt." And they. You could just see that it was kind of like, oh, my God, how could we have this conversation? Uh, but it's true. And I think if people uh, would, would look at Sidney Powell's book on license to lie about two of the major cases and realize that the, well, the, the key person who did wrong in the Enron case is on the staff of Mueller, a person who was repudiated nine to zero by the Supreme Court for falsifying evidence. Uh, I think people need to look at this stuff. I, I did, by the way, I watched last night uh, Molly Bloom, which is a very interesting movie about, about a woman who was running a, a uh, poker game and, and her relationship with the FBI and the way the FBI set her up. And it's worth watching because it, it, it tells you a lot about the pressures and the, and the maneuvering and the way in which they try to, to blackmail people and gives you a sense of what Mueller's doing to some people to try to force them into uh, testifying. We're going to have to enter there. Book bookends tonight, uh, New Gingrich's speech, and of course, his brand new book that is out uh, on top of his last bestseller. It's called Trump's America and the, the definitive guide on how we are making America great again, and the media doesn't want to tell the story. Uh, Mr. Speaker, good to see you. Thank you for being with us. I'm going to see you tonight on TV. That's correct. We'll see you on Hannity tonight at 9 after your book signing. Can't wait to see you. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. Our pollsters, John McLaughlin and Doug Schoen, join us next. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. Donald Trump, just last week, he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Do it. Do it. Look, look at me. Do it. I will personally write you a campaign check now on behalf of this country, which does not want you to be president, but which badly wants you to run. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. Is that people think that Donald Trump is a clown. Donald Donald Trump is a clown. I mean, does anybody seriously think that Donald Trump is serious about running for president? Donald Trump, you know, he's a clown. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. at real Donald Trump. At least I will go down as a president. So basically, this is the beginning of the end for Trump. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end? This is probably starting of the beginning of the end for, for Donald Trump. Donald, uh, you're not going to be able to insult your way to the presidency. The strongest person usually isn't the loudest one in the room. So right now, we have Hillary's about a 75 or an 80% favorite. We have different versions of the forecast you can look at. Poll has Hillary Clinton up by double digits nationally, 12 points, 50 to 38, four-way race. 
Clinton leading in Florida, Clinton leading in North Carolina, Clinton leading in Ohio, Clinton leading in Nevada. I could go on and on and on. Uh, I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? It's been fun. It's been great. I love you. But, but come on, come on, buddy. We have a major projection right now. Donald Trump will take Ohio. That's it, I project. Donald Trump will carry the state of Florida. Huge win for Donald Trump. Donald Trump, uh, we project, will win in Kentucky, in Indiana, with its 11 electoral votes. West Virginia, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, North Dakota, uh, with its three electoral votes, and South Dakota, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, North Carolina, Georgia, Iowa, Utah, Wisconsin, Arizona, Kansas with its six electoral votes, Nebraska with its five electoral votes, and Wyoming with its three electoral votes. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business. A lot of people have laughed at me over the years. Now they're not laughing so much, I'll tell you. In fact, when we needed somebody over at the RNC, I said, get that woman that ran Michigan. We need to elect more Republicans so we can protect our cities, defend our borders, grow our economy, and continue to make America great again. And that's what we're doing. We're doing. We're doing some job. We're all doing it together. But you see what's happening with regulations, with massive tax cuts, with judges. We're appointing, we're appointing judges like, I guess, never before has anything happened like what we're doing on great conservative Republican judges. We're setting records, and by the time we finish, I think we will have the all-time record. You have no idea how important that is. I, you know, I could play that montage over and over and over again of uh, what was election night. And I think Newt has it down pretty well that, you know, at 10 o'clock, November the 8th, 2016, there was a, a collective psychotic meltdown, an episode that lingers even until this day. And anyway, it's just it's a mass psychosis. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You know how to be a, a, you want to be a part of the program. We have uh, two pollsters with us and a lot to cover here because there's a lot of primaries going on. We'll go over those and what we expect. But really, 2018 is becoming a referendum election. And that is the Democrats, they want to impeach Trump, but they're not willing to say it. Number two, they want to raise your taxes and take back the biggest tax cut in history. Number three, they want to keep Obamacare. Number four, they don't want to build a border wall uh, because they believe in free and open borders. Anyway, Doug Schoen and John McLaughlin are with us. Uh, We also have some polling that now shows, yeah, the American people are just fed up, completely fed up with this witch hunt investigation by Robert Mueller and a record 70 percent of Americans now think, yeah, the economy is really good. And it's Donald Trump that's fixed the economy. Uh, Thank you both for being with us. You know, when you look at it, Doug Schoen, I mean, right now, Democrats are in this position. Here, everything is turned around. 14 states have record low unemployment numbers, uh, record low unemployment numbers for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans and women in the workplace. Uh, You see what has happened and the president's keeping his promises. So Democrats have to hope what? That we go back to the Obama era 
and millions more on food stamps, millions more in poverty, millions more out of the labor force, and then they'll be happy? No, Democrats have to hope that Donald Trump and the Republicans do not deliver the message that you just delivered, that they focus on social issues rather than on the uh, economic progress that all Americans have benefited from. American people want progress. They don't want partisanship. And if Donald Trump and the Republicans figure that out and speak inclusively and optimistically about a better country and a better future, they can and will maximize their position. You know, I, I just got to say, I mean, I just never, I think nobody thought through all of this. I, I think the American people are also fed up because they now see Robert Mueller, the media, they're all aligned, negative Trump, negative Trump, negative Trump all day long. And on top of it, the American people have discovered some massive abuse of power, corruption, as it relates to the election, as it relates to Hillary Clinton literally getting exonerated before being investigated, having committed many crimes and having obstructed justice. They see the FISA abuse, and I think most Americans instinctively know, lying to judges to get warrants to spy on opposition party candidates and using op research that Hillary pays for is not a good thing for the country. And putting spies in one campaign and not the other is good. That's not good either. John McLaughlin. That's true. And and the majority of Americans, we have polls that show the majority of Americans are tired of the Mueller investigation. They want to move on. They want to let they want to let the president do his job and succeed. And as you were saying, we've had we have the president has brought the country into the right direction. It's broken 40 percent. It's 41 percent, the highest we've had in four years. The president this month on our in our national poll, McLaughlinOnline.com, you have the president going up nine points in his job approval since last November, where he's at 49-49. He's grinding up there, and he's bringing the Republicans with him in terms of the generic ballot for Congress so that they're in a virtual dead heat with the Democrats. Now, the key thing is what you just mentioned up front, is that the de- well, that this is not a referendum election as much as a contrast election, as much as a president with an agenda that's getting things done, making America great again, et cetera. It's a wonderful slogan, but it's the truth. The economy, the majority of people in that poll said the economy is getting better rather than worse, uh, 53 to 36. So they see good things ahead, and they see a stronger America. And the Democrats, fortunately for us, they haven't taken Doug's advice. And they don't have an agenda. All they're doing is trying to obstruct and slow down and deter the president. And that's why the Mueller investigation hasn't gone anywhere. There's no facts to it. It was just Democrat obstruction. And the elites of this country are trying to remove the president that the heartland of this country elected. You know, I mean, I think that's it at the end of the day. But this, do you agree with, with me that this is now a referendum? That really, it's a, it, the Democrats got what they wanted, and that's a 2016 do-over in the sense and while they're not going to say it, they want to impeach the president. They want to impeach him. They'll make up a reason to impeach the president. Now, does that motivate the president's base enough to get out there and say, no, we're not going to let you undo the election of 2016 uh, by undermining, as you have been, our duly elected president who is succeeding on every level? That's true. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I think it is becoming a referendum. Uh, the numbers still are about 50-50 as uh, John's uh, recent data suggests the problem with my party is it lacks a message. It lacks a strategy. And to the extent it has one, it is redistribute, guarantee jobs, guarantee health care. There's no opportunity. There's no inclusiveness. And there's no aspirational uh, set of policies 
of the type that we uh, supported and implemented in the 90s with Bill Clinton. Well, I, you know, and that is the irony, although Bill Clinton, you got to admit, looked like an, just a total meltdown that he had yesterday. I, I can't understand why, Sean, he just didn't say, I owe her an apology. I'm going to do it. It's Why is right that thing. so hard for people to say? I don't understand it. I mean, I've made mistakes, and I just say, oh, gosh. You know, people say, Hannity, back in 1987, you said this. And I say, oh, I know. I'm such an idiot. I'm so embarrassed. It's horrible. Why did I ever say that? Sean, I can't speak for him, but the best advice I could give him would be apologize, own up to the fact that you made a mistake with Lewinsky, a bad mistake, and probably almost certainly a mistake with others. But you know what? He can't do it, and I think it's best for him to get off the stage, both for himself and for the Democratic Party. I'm sad to say it, because on a philosophical and policy basis, I agree with him, but I don't think that he serves the broader good of the party or of the nation by continuing to engage in the kind well, of... Well, th- there's another thing, too. You know, everybody now, in light of me, too, look, all of these issues were brought front and center by people like me in the 2016 election. Uh, but the only reason that they are throwing the Clintons overboard now is because they're done. They're finished. But up until November 9th, 2016, John McLaughlin, they would they were protecting Hillary and Bill and his shenanigans and his, you know, he's the grandfather of the Me Too movement in so many ways. Absolutely. Remember, you started that montage on your program where I love it because it harkens back to when Doug and I were saying, I thought I thought Donald Trump was going to win. And 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 the, the fact of the matter is Donald Trump did win, brought 63 million voters out to the polls in a record turnout. And now what's going on is they're motivating those Trump voters to come back out with all the, the attacks on our president. They're getting the heartland of the country upset because this whole thing with the Me Too movement, what are they doing? Donald Trump has proposed you know, paid parental leave. His, his his daughter Ivanka was the one pushing it, and guess what? The Democrats in Congress won't take it up. They have no agenda. Uh, they have no agenda at all. And this, the referendum, is really a choice between, you know, a party that's moving the country forward and a president that's moving the country forward versus just a blank slate where we know their only goal is to impeach the president. And, and it's, and it's, it's making most Americans very upset and disappointed. All right. As we roll along, Sean Hannity show, all right, looking to 2018 and, you know, Newt Gingrich said uh, yesterday that in fact, he thinks that it's now looking more like a possibility of a red wave than the so-called blue wave. I'm the believer. You just don't count the, your votes, uh, before the election takes place. But there was a 17-point generic ballot lead by Democrats. It is now a six-point in one poll Republican advantage, uh, certainly a, a, a sea change in terms of polls. But, you know, we have to see what happens in November. Do you think, uh, who do you think is more energized, Doug Schoen, going into the election? Well, um, about a month or so ago, I would have said the Democrats. But given the uptick in the president's numbers that John spoke of, the absence of a Democratic message and what we may see in California tonight, which is in a number of districts, Democrats not maximizing their potential in the so-called jungle primary. I would say at this point, it's, it's hard to say who's more energized, but certainly the momentum to the extent there is any is with the Republicans. What do you think, John McLaughlin? You've been through a lot of tough election races over the years. 
you know, not the least of which was Obama trying to influence the Israeli election last time. But but you were there polling for Trump and, and you believed, as I did, he had a really good shot of winning, which he did. Right. And, and uh, it's, it's backfiring now. You're seeing what I call the Chuck Schumer backfire, because Chuck Schumer has led the opposition. And that's why the Democrats have a total void as their agenda. And guess what? We're going to pick up U.S. Senate seats because of the lay of that land. Ten of the states where they're. I'm not really worried. Seats. I want to get those Senate seats because you're talking right. about North Dakota. Um, we're watching very closely Claire McCaskill's seat. We're watching Florida. Rick Scott down there. I mean, there are a lot of important seats that uh, I don't know what's going to happen in Arizona, but I mean, we're watching a lot of important races here. Well, Ten- Tennessee is another one to come back out. And guess what? In a lot of these states, you have you may have open Republican seats, but we have that 26 House majority, House six, 26 seat House majority. And guess what? They're motivating Trump voters to come back out and vote for Congress. So so I agree with Doug, that I would have said a month ago, yeah, the Democrats seem to have more energy. Well, the Democrats have gone too far, and they've gone, they've carried on too long against this president who's succeeding, and they're and and uh, he's basically they're motivating the Trump base to come back out, and that bodes well for us in November. We just have to keep that we have to keep that momentum going towards November. Yeah, and by the way, I, I Doug, you can't tell me what Democrats stand for except what I told you earlier: impeachment. Obamacare, keeping it in place, not building the wall, and and literally raising taxes on every American. I don't think that's the best agenda. You missed one, Sean. Uh-oh. What? Socialism. Yeah, pretty much. That's your party, not mine. Yeah, I mean, the Democrat, I, I'm a capitalist. I believe in the social safety You're net. a bigger capitalist I than I am. Economy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but But this is not the Democratic Party that I joined when I was a young person. It's a very different party that believes in a level of redistribution that to me is antithetical to the values that I believe in and that I believe America was based on. Um, anyway, I uh, thank you both for being with us. We appreciate it. 800 941 Sean is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hit the phones, wide-open telephones, 800 941 if you want to join us. A stunning statement here, Poppy, from the president openly declaring that he believes he is above the law. Try to picture uh, an ordinary criminal who committed a crime saying that. Uh, I can do whatever I want, and by oh. the way, I'll pardon myself. But, you sound like you're guilty when you say that. Think about what we're talking about. The president all morning is basically, again, saying the president of the United States is above the law and is not required to comply with the Constitution or the laws of the United States. I mean, that is staggering. They are kidding themselves and will be let down horribly if they ever decide to try this on, to take this and put what's on this and take it out for a spin to the United States Supreme Court. If you don't believe me, go to the Supreme Court. You may get one, you may get two votes. That's it. You will be run over. The President of the United States is talking about pardoning himself, about not being indicted. You have to look at what the political environment would be, what what political environment would be created by that. We're, we're really talking about the end of his presidency. If you're talking about the President of the United States saying, I'm going to pardon myself, even if Republicans try to protect him, you're talking about the collapse in many ways of the institutions of this republic. I have an aversion to the use of the word spy, but let's just, uh, for the sake of discussion, use that term, which conventionally means the use of tradecraft, using a, a formally trained case officer who would mask identity, who would attempt to recruit. So none of the classical attributes of, of spycraft 
if I can use that term, were present here. This is the most benign form of information gathering. So to characterize it as a spy or spy gate is, of course, part of the narrative. And it's directly antithetical to what I actually said. At various times, Trump has seemed attracted to, that, to conspiracy theories. Um, there's the obviously much remarked upon uh, looseness with the truth and, and, and the lies, et cetera, et cetera. But these, these, the, the obsession with conspiracy theories and tall tales, as you say, Joe, dates back for a long time. I think the, the, the point right now, though, is that he's using them to a particular kind of political effect. Uh, but Mr. Clapper then went on to say that, to his knowledge, there was no evidence of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. We did not conclude any evidence in our report. And when I say our report, that is the NSA, FBI, and CIA, with my office, the Director of National Intelligence, that had anything, any reflection of collusion between the members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. There was no evidence of that in our report. Was Mr. Clapper wrong when he said that? I think he's right uh, about characterizing the report, which you, you all have read. Had anything that had any reflection of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. There was no evidence of that included in, in our report. Have you seen anything, either intelligence briefings, through intelligence briefings, anything to back up any of the accusations that sure. you've made? They have the documentation that they did the hacking. The hacking. On the DNC. Right. And on some of us, you know, that had But the collusion, it. though. No, we have not. Do you have evidence that there was, in fact, collusion between Trump associates and Russia during the campaign? Not at this time. Have you seen anything that suggests any collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign? Well, there's an awful lot of smoke there, let's put it that way. People that might have said they were involved, to what extent they were involved, to what extent the president might have known about these people or whatever. There's nothing there from that standpoint that we have seen directly linking uh, our president to any of that. Did evidence exist of collusion, coordination, conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors at the time you learned of 2016 efforts? I don't know whether or not such collusion, that's your term, such collusion existed, I don't know. The big questions, of course, is, is there any evidence of collusion you have seen yet? Is there? There is a lot of smoke. We have a smoking gun at this point, but there is a lot of smoke. Diane Feinstein has said there's no evidence of collusion. So collusion between whom? Can you tell us that? I'm not prepared to say that there's proof you could take to a jury, but I can't say that there is enough that we ought to be investigating. At the time you separated from service in January of 2017, had you seen any evidence that uh, Donald Trump or any member of his campaign colluded, conspired, or coordinated with the Russians or anyone else uh, to infiltrate or impact our uh, voter infrastructure? Um, not beyond uh, what has been out there open source and not beyond anything that I'm sure this committee has already seen and heard before directly from the intelligence community. All right, as we uh, roll along, glad you're with us. 24 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. Yeah, the media hysteria over an issue that's not an issue. A hypothetical that Rudy Giuliani laughed at and said, no, well, that wouldn't take away potential political consequences if the president pardoned himself. It's a non-issue. What is an issue is spying on a campaign. What is an issue are spies within a campaign and people like Clapper saying, well, that's a good thing. Okay, we'll put it in Hillary's campaign then. Why wasn't it there? 
What is a big deal is fixing investigations because you want one candidate to continue the run for the presidency. What is a big deal is lying with propaganda put together through funneled money to a foreign national with Russian lies that even the guy that put it together said, well, it's not hot. I don't know if any of it's true at all. I don't have no idea. But you present it to a court in an application for a FISA warrant, the toughest to get. For the very purpose of what? To spy on another campaign. Paid for, bought and paid for by the candidate of your choosing. And they lied repeatedly to FISA court judges. Subsequent applications. Unbelievable times we are living in. Uh, we got Shelly is in North Carolina. Shelly, hi. How are you? Well, glad you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Sean. Pleasure to talk with you. Um, I had two things I wanted to talk about. One of them was the media, and the other thing was the spying. And with the media, what I wanted to say is, you know, you've been so adept at w- realizing that they've said nothing about what's happening until they've been forced to. Well, this is why I think they're forced to, because they are accomplices, because they see that the writing is on the wall. And as the examination comes closer and closer to them, I think they're wanting to be on, try to be on the other side of it, because for the last three years it's hard to tell what what's wag whether the tail is wagging the dog or the dog is wagging the ta- wagging the tail because the it's either the media that is coming up with the narrative and then the politicians jump on it or it's these liberal politicians that are coming up with the narrative and they're feeding it to the media and making them be the ones that that propagate it so i see just like i i think once you start taking the kingpins down you're going to see people scattering from washington i think it's the same thing with the media they're no dummies they know that as soon as this investigation comes closer and closer to them, that they're going to be taken down with it because they have been in they've been in bed with all these deep state operatives that want to destroy our country. Well, I mean, yeah. it, well, listen, I'm going to tell you something. It is everything we've said it is. And we now know it. I mean, it's not a matter. And this goes back to my opening monologue today. I mean, I am just absolutely livid. You know, we have the IG report. Oh, but we'll turn it over to the corrupt Department of Justice that's been obstructing and not handing over and ignoring subpoenas of Congress so they can put in their reductions and suggested reductions and suggested changes and softening the blow and timing the release of, you know, the whole thing is just an abuse of power. And it, it is literally it is the deep state that is a a clear and present danger. To this, you know, republic, this constitutional republic that we live under and dual, you know, a dual justice system and lying to judges and covering. I mean, the whole thing is just atrocious to me. And I think the American people seeing it is a good thing. That's the first step towards hopefully in the end fixing it. But we're going to have to dig the root out of this, because if you leave these people in power and you allow this to continue and we don't fix the core of the problem, we're going to have some really big problems down the road, and, and ultimately our survival is even in jeopardy. Jeff is in uh, – good call, Shelley. Jeff is in Fort Edwards, Wisconsin. Jeff, how are you? Glad you called. Good evening, afternoon, Sean. It's great to talk to you. Say, I was telling your screener, um, Trump should come out, Twitter or whatever, and say, you know what, I'm, I agree with James Clapper and John Brennan. Having a spy in a presidential candidate in a campaign is a good thing. We are going to put – a FBI informant in every Democrat campaign for president in 2020 and watch the liberals' heads explode. 
well, I honestly, if you ever did, and this was the point of Victor Davis Hansen's piece, just reverse this. In, you know, in 2024, Donald Trump finishes his eight years as president and a Democratic candidate gets the same treatment by the Trump administration that the Obama administration and all these people in the deep state gave the Trump incoming Trump administration. Tell me, would that ever be tolerated? The answer is no. Absolutely not. But I'm just saying he should actually offer it, publish it, offer it and watch them backtrack on on that. Uh, you know, they'll have to turn around and, and defend that the fact that, no, it's not a good thing. It's that, well, good point. Really good point. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to use the powerful tools of intelligence against the American people. It's not a good thing to put spies. You know, all they had to do as it relates to Carter Page was go to Donald Trump and say, uh, we're watching this guy. He's going to Russia to give a commencement speech and he's associated with your campaign. Donald Trump would have fully cooperated. End of the entire issue. And but then throwing spies in the camp. And what did you know about the emails? Nobody knew anything about the emails. That's the point. We do know now that. Hillary's server in the mom and pop shop bathroom closet was hacked by what as many as six intelligence agencies. Who knows where, where, what, who hacked what, when, and where at this point? And not only that, we've got two hundred and fifty thousand full-time IT people that work for our government, and yet we can't protect United States government secrets. We can't, we can't protect, you know, our Defense Department. We can't protect NASA. We can't protect State Department officials from being hacked. At some point, it's not shame on them. It's shame on us. You know, in this day and age, if they don't protect our secrets, that's their job. They know these people are after us. You know, Devin Nunes wrote about it in 2014. Everyone's saying they're shocked that the Russians want to create chaos in our electoral process. Okay, well, then what did we do to stop it? We didn't do anything. And at some point, it becomes our problem. At some point, we should have learned. At some point, you know, look at Julian Assange. I mean, I interviewed him. He, he had hacked into NASA and the DOD at, what, 16 years of age. He's in his 40s. At what point did we say, uh-oh, we're vulnerable. We better fix it. I mean, at some point, you got to look and say, what did we do? What did Obama do on cybersecurity in the eight years he was president? Nothing. Except now we could just share the intelligence, raw intelligence, with more people. And that covers who actually ends up leaking it. And American citizens are spied on. And American campaigns are given FISA warrants based on op research, unverified, uncorroborated information. With funneled money and foreign agents and Russian sources, dubious, lying Russian sources. You can't make this up in a book. You really can't. And that's what happened. Uh, Tobias is in New Jersey. Uh, you can go see New Kingrich tonight over at Bookends if you're uh, not doing anything. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Uh, I have a different take on Rosenstein or Rosenstein or whatever anybody wants to call him today. Yeah. Um, but I, I have I have a look at it like this. Um, Sessions recused himself. If you look at back at the tapes. He asked his team what should he do as to recusing himself. Isn't Rosenstein like his number two guy on his team? Uh, he's, well, actually, in many ways, he's the number one guy, and he's conflicted. Oh. Remember, he wrote okay. the letter suggesting that Comey had to go, and yeah, he's the guy that signed the, the last part. FISA warrant using Hillary Clinton's bought-and-paid-for phony Russian dossier. 
Yes, and Rosenstein met with Comey and McCabe, okay, right before Comey was fired, okay, to set up this whole entire conspiracy, okay, so that he can basically run this whole entire, you know, mess that's let's get uh, Trump. Okay, Rosenstein told Trump to fire Comey, okay, to set the wheels in motion. The next day after he fired uh, uh, Comey, all of a sudden, boom, all right, we got the special counsel. It's, it's set. It's done within a day. But yet now for the second special counsel, uh, 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 Sessions can't do anything. Oh, oh we'll, we'll, we'll look into it. We'll get the wheels uh, you know, in motion if it calls for one. But yet uh, Rosenstein, oh, yeah, I think we need one. And next day it's done. It's, it's already uh, uh, underway. So I think Sessions is just a big wuss. Everybody says they like him. I don't know him, but everybody says he's good. But I think he's just a wuss that can't. I, I think he's, he's almost in a state of paralysis, it seems. It is, it is, I, I can't, it's not the person that I've known over all these years. And then, there, you know, there are so many different crimes, so many different horrible things that have happened. And why he hasn't done anything is beyond anybody's imagination. Tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Why the delay with the Inspector General report? We'll check in with Sarah Carter, Greg Jarrett, Kellyanne Conway, Newt Gingrich tonight, Sean Spicer, Jason Chaffetz. All of that, the latest breaking news on the deep state and how corrupt, yes, the deep state is as it relates to your government. Can we save the country, our Constitution? It's all coming up. 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Hannity on Fox. We'll see you tonight at 9 and back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.